All right, good morning, Crossroads Ministries. It's great to be worshiping here this Sunday morning. Uh, would you please stand as we worship here this morning? Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, we want to thank you for tuning in. It's great to be worshiping you as well. If you're a guest here this morning, would you please stop by our Welcome Center? Um, introduce yourself. We'd love to get to know who you are and your name. We have a little gift for you as well. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you try to feel the same old holes inside, then there's a better life, and there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. He's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a proving saving savior. He's got chains. He's a chain breaker. He's all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out. We all want to be
here at Crossroads. Aren't you happy to be here today? God is good. Let's thank our great God for all that he's doing. I want to welcome you to Crossroads. If this is your first weekend here with us or your second weekend, I'd like to encourage you to stop by our welcome center in the foyer. We'd like to give you a little bit more information about the church and just welcome you to Crossroads. We have a little gift just to say thank you for coming. We're so glad that you're here this weekend. There's a, a lot happening here at the church, and I'm just going to go over a few things that we have coming up. Next Sunday is going to be a celebration Sunday here. You know, God has been doing so many incredible things in our church this summer. We had a missions trip, went to Ecuador. Our vacation Bible school was incredible. We've had these car cruises. We have had movie nights. God is just doing some incredible work. And even last weekend... Throughout our services, we saw about 12 to 15 people come to Christ. Isn't that exciting? Let's thank God for all that He's doing in our church right now. And as people have started these new relationships with Jesus, we've got a lot of people that are growing in their faith. It's an exciting season of our church, and it's just so thrilling to see what God's going to do here in the church. So next week we're going to celebrate. We're going to have baptisms. I want to encourage you, if you've not yet been baptized... Um, or maybe you say, I was baptized as a kid. Many people were baptized as an infant. Um, we're talking believer's baptism, something that happens to you after you have become a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you are now a follower of Jesus Christ and the Lord is moving in your life, I want to encourage you to get baptized next week. I think we have about seven people signed up already to get baptized. So that's exciting, exciting news. We're going to celebrate a lot right there, okay? So uh, if you'd like to get baptized next week, please go to our website. The information is in the bulletin how to do that, and you can sign up to, uh, to get baptized next week. We will baptize you next week, 
uh, we will uh, we will get that on the schedule. So please do that today or tomorrow, or the next day, and uh, just uh, respond to the Lord in faith. You know, I think there's people that have been in our church for many years that haven't been baptized yet. They've been following Jesus, but they haven't taken this step of baptism. I want to encourage you, if that's you, take that step of baptism. It's time to take that step of baptism. Let's see what God will do in and through your life as you take that step of obedience to the Lord. Uh, publicly declaring your faith before everyone here in the church. And so I want to encourage you. That will be next weekend, and uh, it's, it's going to be a day you don't want to miss. And then afterwards, we're going to go out to Palmer Park for a picnic. So the service will end on time next week, okay, because we have a picnic going on. One o'clock. Yeah, who's laughing out there, okay? Uh, so we're, we're going we're gonna to end on time next week, and we're going to head on out to Palmer Park. The directions for Palmer Park are inside of your bulletin. I'm going to encourage you to be there. Come on out. As a church family, we get all three services. We get our Saturday night congregation, our Sunday 930, and our Sunday 11. As many people as we can. I want to encourage you to bring a friend. That's a great time to bring a friend. The church will have the basic food. We'll have hamburgers and hot dogs. We're asking everybody else to bring a side and a dessert. And we'll throw that out. And you can help share all that. And we'll have, uh, have some good old time out there with, uh, with a lot of food out there. But there's some, uh, we'll have some of the very basics of food. And then we'll ask everybody, if you're coming, to bring some food along with you. And we'll throw that out on the table. And, uh, and we can all share these items and have a good time. So, But that, this will be a great day. That picnic will start at 1 o'clock. There's cornhole tournament going to be going on. I'm sure there'll be a softball game. There's a number of things that'll be happening next week. There's a DJ and everything up there, so they're ready to go for us. I want to encourage everyone to come on out. Even if you can only stay just for lunch, it'll be a great time. And have fellowship with the other believers here at the church. So that'll be next next Sunday. And then the following Friday, we're going to have our last movie night of the summer. This is... Uh, on uh, August 18th, coming up here, the movie night is Super Mario Brothers, I think. Is that the name of it? Do we have a slide on that? Mario Brothers. And so um, if you can put that word out, sign up on our website. They're going to have uh, kettle corn will be on that night, and a bunch of other concession stands will be happening down there. And then they're going to have these inflatable things for the kids again. So it will be a fun, fun time. I want to encourage you to be there. And invite a friend out. You know, that's what we do. That's a cultivating event. We just say we're going to go out and we're going to cultivate friendships. All right? So I want to encourage you to bring somebody with you who needs Jesus. Let them see see the church. Let them see Super Mario on a 30-foot screen. Invite their friends, their family. Let them get some kettle corn for a dollar. All right? It'll be a good time. I want to encourage you to do that. So remember our CPR, Cultivating, Planting, and Reaping. That's a cultivating event, and we're helping people find Jesus through building those relationships. So I want to encourage you. God's been good to the church here. He's been so so wonderful to us as people. He has provided for you, and as he's provided for you, you in turn have been giving. You're tithing unto the Lord, and the Lord has grown the church with, with the tithes and offerings. And so he's growing your spiritual life. And so giving is a, is a symbol of your spiritual growth. It's the fruit of growing. Like you, you, can, you can't grow without giving. And so that's what's happening in our church. We're watching people say, look, I'm putting the Lord first and I'm growing. And now as I'm growing, I realize that I give to the Lord. So we want to encourage you as you give. You can use the, the boxes in the auditorium or the foyer here in person. You can give online or you can give through the mail. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just thank God for all that he's done. God, we come before you. 
We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our church this summer. It's been a fantastic summer. Lord, we are looking so forward to next week, to a time of celebration, a time of fellowship in the afternoon, uh, baptisms here in the morning, uh, hearing stories of the work of God, and hearing from you, Lord. And so we're looking forward to that great day next week that, that we are planning, and we just ask your spirit to be here upon us as we worship and come in expecting to hear from the Lord, come in expecting to praise and worship God Almighty. Lord, I pray you'll put your hand of blessing upon all the things that have been happening and the things that we still are planning uh, for the movie night. And just for all the people that have come to know you in the last few weeks, Lord, just thinking of just last week alone, uh, having 12 or so people uh, come to know Jesus, Lord, we just praise you and we honor your name. We say thank you, Lord, for uh, forgiving us, people who need a Savior, and for you being their Savior, and changing lives, Lord. And now we're seeing people grow in their faith. So, Lord, I ask that you'll continue to move in a mighty way. Be with those that are traveling this weekend, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you'll put your hand upon them as uh, they are enjoying some time of rest and time of vacation and different things that are happening uh, right now in this season. But we know, God, that you're moving in so many ways. Use our people while they're on vacation. Use them while they're here working. Use us all for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody texted me this morning uh, during the first service and said, Hey, we're watching online. And so I said, Wow, you know what? I get to go on vacation with you. Isn't that cool? And I waved to them in the first hour. So that's pretty cool as uh, we have that technology. So when you're not able to be here, take us with you. And uh, they were casting it onto a 60-inch screen, they told me. So I'm pretty excited you know, but what I'm really excited for today is we have a guest speaker with us. This is uh, Ron Minton. Ron is on our birthday gift to Jesus list. He is a missionary. Ron and Nancy Minton are missionaries to the Ukraine, and uh, we've supported them for for a long time, probably 18, 20 years. And I know that God has uh, used them mightily in their ministry. And so he's been, we've been emailing back and forth. And, of course, as you know, right now with the war in Ukraine, uh, everybody wants to know about what's happening in Ukraine. Everybody's like, hey, uh, you know, even our missionaries, we're checking in what's happening. So Ron has been a faithful, faithful servant of the Lord out there for the last 20 years. And uh, we're just going to ask the Lord to be with us now as he comes up and he shares with you. Uh, he's going to share with you a lot of pictures. So this is, if, if you're a guest here, this is not the normal. Normally I will speak, but today we have a guest speaker, and I'm thrilled to have him speak today. And he's going to share with you a lot of pictures, and you're going to get to see what's happening in the Ukraine in the wartime. Uh, these folks are in touch with people in the Ukraine on a daily basis, and I thank God for the work that God's called them to do, for their passion for the, for the Lord. And you're going to see some things that are going to touch your heart today. And I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord to speak to you. And that's, that's what happens. When we bring in a missionary and they're showing their things, ask the Lord, God, would you speak to me? God, you have this divine appointment for this guy to be here today. What are you going to speak to me? Speak to me, Lord, as I hear from you today. So, uh, you know, we, we've been supporting him for many, many years. And as we support, I want, to, want you to remember, you're part of his ministry. As you give to that birthday gift to Jesus, you are giving to help them be able to do what God's called them to do. And it's a powerful, powerful picture of the family of God. And so would you welcome Ron Minton here this morning, missionary from Ukraine. All right. 
Okay, well, we're going to be showing you some images here in just a moment. And uh, first I wanted to have my wife Nancy stand. And believe it or not, she has put up with me for 51 years. And uh, so the Lord has blessed us in many ways. And before we actually show these images, uh, we're going to have Tanya come up and give a short testimony. Tanya is our full-time worker for Ukraine. She is a Ukrainian uh, citizen. And she also will come up and say a few words, and she's going to sing a song in the Ukrainian language. And so the Lord has blessed us to have her, and she gets to help us get a lot of work done. And now I think if you pay attention, the Lord is going to use her to bless you as well. Good morning, everyone. So I'm Tanya, and I came here with Ron and Nancy Minton. I met them about three years ago in our Kharkov church in Ukraine, and we became good friends. We started working together, and I am glad that I can be here in such a safe place as the U.S. right now. Unfortunately, in my country, it is not like this anymore because we have war, and many horrible and difficult things are happening right now. Many people, they struggle with a very difficult situation in their lives, and uh, many lives have been changed uh, since the war has started. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, um, it's very sad, and so many families, they lost uh, their members, and um, so many people, they lost houses, uh, possessions. They were forced to move to another areas, you know, safer places. And, um, but despite all these difficulties, I can see how God uh, works through His people, and so many churches in Ukraine, they are united in a huge ministry, uh, they provide uh, refugees with help, um, I mean like accommodation, food, goods, but the main part of it, they share the gospel, uh, they share Christ with them, and the people became more responsive. Uh, we have many new families in our churches, and I am so thankful that so many people around the world, and uh, actually here in the U.S. too, they are praying for us, uh, praying for our soldiers, because we don't want that war, but we have to protect our country, and it's very important to continue pray for Ukraine, and uh, I hope that God uh, will, uh, will, send, uh, will make peace on my land. And I've got a song for you as the dear panthers to the water. It was translated into Ukrainian language and we like it in Ukraine very much.
Okay. Thank you, Tanya. Now we're going to show some images real quickly. We're going to talk about the uh, location, the culture. It's quite a bit different than here, and the ministry opportunities in Ukraine. <clears throat> I'm going to be looking at this slide here and aiming to thank for some, uh, some shots on the uh, uh, maps and stuff like that, and we'll go through. Ukraine is what we call an Eastern European country. If you think of an imaginary line right here for Eastern Europe, all of Europe is over here. It's a, Europe has 42 nations. Ukraine, by the way, is the largest physically size of all the nations in Ukraine. We also have classes in our Bible college over here in Poland and then down in Armenia. That's why we focus there. And Ukraine is the gateway to the east. That's why the United States has been interested in Ukraine since World War II, because you cannot go east through Russia. That's all Russia there. You cannot go through the Black Sea. You cannot go through Turkey. And even if you get to the, uh, the Mediterranean Sea, you, get the, uh, you, you have uh, Israel and Islamic nations. But Ukraine has big east-west highways you can go right through. Our city, Kharkiv, the second largest city in Ukraine, has a bit, uh, those places that go through there. And uh, we see a lot of that. So Ukraine is very important uh, in many, many uh, ways to the United States. And also, seven nations on their border, like this Moldova, Romania, Hungary, uh, uh, Slovakia, Poland, Belarus, Russia. And so Ukraine has been a very important place. It's had some bad situations. The world's worst nuclear accident back in Soviet times, 1986, was at Chernobyl. And Kharkiv, where we live uh, in this world, current world, started in 2022, the last two years. Kharkiv is the most bombed city of all of Ukraine. And down here at Mariupol on the sea, that was the most destroyed city. They had half a million people, and about 96% of the buildings were unrebuildable. There's a destroyed so much. So Ukraine has been through a lot in all those years. And from Finleyville, it's 6,000 miles. We put that because some of you people are going to see these images and say, where do we sign up? <laughs> Maybe. Some know. <laughs> not all, not all going to be easy. But this is our house we've been in for the last 18, 19 years. And uh, it's gone through a lot of stuff. We'll show you some images where it was damaged a little bit later. And a lot of admin. And uh, the admin work never finishes. And the pastor will know what legal admin is and all that stuff. With admin. You look at all these documents out there. That has to be done by someone. And so whenever in Ukraine, uh, we have a Bible college. We have all these ministry going. Our Bible college is actually as big as some small Bible colleges in the United States. They have uh, 25 people on the campus. We have three, Nancy and Tanya, and, and a few part-time people here and there, but not many. And it gets cold in Ukraine. This is inside our house on the cold winter days. And the culture is a little bit different. And I'll never forget the first wedding I went to in a Baptist church in Ukraine. Oh, I could not believe it. Ten hours. I said, this can't be happening to me. I said, never again. And these young workers and people that we befriended, they come to me and these young girls and say, Ron, I'm getting married. And I said, that's great. I'm so glad. I'm proud. I'm wonderful. And she says, I want you to come to, the, to my wedding. And I'm thinking, 10 hours? And they can give me 12. And I said, I tell you what, I'll give you a large financial gift because I, I want to bless you. But I can't do both because I have a, you know, some activities I have to do. And, and she says, I'll take the money. It's something like that. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff different for our culture. And the last one, it's, uh, they don't like cold drinks and cold food. They like warm. And it was a hot day when Pablo was working on our house, and we had cold watermelon after lunch. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. And what does Pablo do? He puts his watermelon in the microwave oven. <laughs> I said, Pablo, what are you doing putting that in there? And he said, oh, if I eat this stuff cold, I get sick. 
Some things you can't change. And it's interesting, they, up about a half a mile, actually a little less than a mile up the hill from us is the Kharkiv uh, trash dump. There's a gigantic trash and a lot of the pollutions. They don't have all the law controls that we have. And they go down in the water and it comes under our properties that, you know, are part of the town. And, and it's bad water. You can't drink the water. You can take showers. You can even, you can cook and you can wash clothes and brush your teeth. But you can't drink it. And so we get, there's five or six places, four or five somewhere, about three or four, five, six miles out of town where you get the water coming out of the stream and pipes come out of the hill. And, and it said right on there, safe by the, certified safe by Ukraine government. I said, that must be good. <laughs> you say your prayers also. And we fill a lot of these jugs up and, hey, they're free. We buy a jug of water, it's a buck for, a dollar, for the big jug of water. But after that, we get them out here free. And by the way, Ken, we've been drinking this water for 17 years and hadn't done any dame damage. Wow, this group is definitely the smartest of the three. <laughs> and we have, a, we have a garden, and you can see some nice good food there. By the way, we're the only people, I'm not going to show this image, we're the only people that have a grass. If you look at both of our neighbors and all their yard is all garden. And we put in a garden to be part of their culture. And I'll never forget the first day I mowed the grass. These two 12-year-old girls come over and I stop to see what they want. And they said, can I stand behind that machine? And you take my picture and put it on Facebook. And I thought, that's okay. And same, two weeks later, I was mowing the same thing. <coughs> I said, bring all your, ki- all your friends next week. All your friends. We're going to have a big mowing event, and we're going to teach you all how to mow. <laughs> and I said, when they came, I said, now you have to mow 10 minutes each to get the American feel. And I'll be here on the uh, patio. And there's a picture of patio. I'll show you in a minute. I'll be sipping lemonade. But it's a lot of fun in Ukraine, but it hasn't been fun all the time. Israel was captive in Babylon for 70 years. Ukraine was captive in the Soviet Union for 70 years against their will as well. And there was a lot of tragedies. 2000, in the 1932-33 artificial famine, the CIA says between 6 and 9 million Ukrainians were killed by starvation that year. So they've had some rugged times. 400,000 Americans died in World War II, but Ukraine lost 7 million people. And this, they've had a lot of tragedies. 2014, the war came to Ukraine when Russia invaded. And these uh, beds were given by one of our Denver churches. We gave 1000 bucks. We gave about 10 of these beds, and we used them for a lot of refugees. Yuri and Andrew came. make a long story short, uh, they came. And they also they went back to their home because the war came. In their, I'll show you where the map just in a moment. Came to their place, and they fled. And this time, when the war came in 2017, they fled and barely made it out in town on time for their life. And they also had to take Yuri's mom because she was... Uh, retired and can't move herself, and so they brought her there, and then they uh, escaped to another part of Ukraine after a while. So the Lord has used us, and by the way, He brings people into your life just when you need it, and our ministry was starting to grow pretty quickly, and Yuri's been a very, very, very big help in the meantime, and he's, I'll show you a picture later, even to this day, he's in Ukraine doing, helping us at our Bible college over there right now. And Ukraine has been at war since uh, they invaded in February of last year. And this is in Kharkiv. Our city was the first place built. And uh, where Tanya was, I mean, the first place bombed. Because uh, we're right next to Ukraine. We're very close to Ukraine, only 20, 25 miles, I mean, from uh, Russia. And when those missiles came over, Tanya was in her big apartment. And, and her apartment building was shaking the walls and windows rattling and all that stuff. So she thanked the Lord we got her out of there. You can see these are big business buildings, government buildings, and all this stuff. They blow all that stuff up. Down the street is where Tanya went to the university. And... 
these big, tall apartment buildings, a lot of people in there, and those giant missiles blast into the walls and start big fires. A lot of people are thrown out of the walls and die on the way down or hit when they hit, and they, people are burned. And like I said last time, I said the, this happens that a lot of people will come back from the war later, and they're going to come their houses blown away. Everything they have, a lot of people live their lives in these houses or their house or in a village wherever they live. Everything, think if there was an explosion in your house today when you're here and you went back and everything was gone. Everything, think of what's in your house, it was gone. And that's going to happen to a lot of tragedy. And a lot of them are Christian believers. We do have a fund that we help them, and we've sent about $20,000 over to help people in Ukraine with this. Even kindergartens were bombed. They don't discriminate. They blast everything, and you would think no one would do it to a kindergarten, but they do. And this is the Lord's Prayer, scotched on the wall of a prison. These are what we call torture chambers or whatever you call them. And when they, had, when they took Kharkiv, our area, they overtook that. The Russian army did, and they, they captured people and put them in these places and tortured them, get information out of them, killed a lot of them. And they committed sins that are so bad that only Jesus knows how horrible it was. But they've suffered a lot of stuff. But the Lord, like Tanya said, the Lord uses the most tragic things in the world. When people are close to death, they begin to think of eternity. And they, a lot of people in Ukraine have come into Christ right now. <clears throat> and I know we don't downplay the tragedy because it's bad. We've seen a whole missile come in. I saw the missile in the air and the news come into Tanya's town in a shopping mall. And boom, blew up this big thing. Her dad was in driving in the car real close to it when it happened. It's a terrible situation. But the Lord's able to use horrible situations like he's done ever since time began. This is early in this year, right into a big uh, place where people live in apartment buildings. They blast and a lot of people are just hit their instant death right away. And thousands of people have been over there, been injured and maimed. It sometimes takes months to dig all this stuff out and find uh, dead people underneath this stuff. It's really a tragic situation. And for both sides... Uh, they, about 4,000 Russian tanks have been blown up or captured, most of them blown up. And whenever you blow a tank up, everybody in there dies instantly. I mean, it's, sometimes they blow up that people get, are able to get out if it doesn't explode or whatever right away. Sometimes they get away, sometimes they're shot when they get out. But it's a horrible situation, a lot of death on both sides. Even the, I read of the Department of Defense, they, they don't always say this publicly, but their official document said that more than 100,000 Russian soldiers have been killed in this war. And the, probably it's, it's actually double that. The flood that they made when they blew up that dam about a month or two ago, it did incredible damage. You don't hear the massive damage that it does, but I mean, a lot of people died on this, drowned quickly. Immediately, I mean, this flood came quickly. And when that thing, houses, you can see how deep it was in these houses in that area. A lot of people died. They were in bed and they just went, and this whole thing came and they drowned and their animals, the livestock drowned, many of them. And Lots and lots of grain and, and stuff like that was destroyed. It was a horrible situation. Our city of Kharkiv has a massive, gigantic cemetery. I mean, the thing is huge. We've been there quite a few times. And this, this part's called the soldier section since the war started. All these flags are where a soldier is buried. And there's a mom burying, putting a flags on a grave, I mean, some flowers on her son's grave this year. This is back at our house, and you can see this is our garage. The missile went through part of it. We don't know what for sure did all the damage, but you can see right through the garage. And it's some damage here. And the explosion happened in the, in the road and blew up shrapnel or whatever and tore up the bricks here and there. We have quite a few pictures of this. This is our house, our actual house. And this four windows here where Nancy and I's bedroom are and also where my office. The, the panels were blown out here and over on this side of the wall right through there. And the picture's kind of squashed up. It's actually bigger than this. 
It did a lot of damage. And this is inside the house. And that right came through where our bed is. And the whole thing came through. The ceilings about this thick and stuff came through like that. And just think of this missile. It didn't go off or the whole house would have been blown away. But if Nancy and I were in bed and a missile came through and went off, we would have just opened our eyes and seen Jesus. That's how fast that we would have been dead. And this happens to a lot of people. A lot of people uh, do get killed in this stuff. And there's my office in the same building. Piece of the, you can see the roof coming in like that. What's left of it? A lot of people tried to flee Ukraine. Keep in mind that map of Ukraine is bigger than, it's almost, it's bigger than Pennsylvania. It's almost as big as Texas. And people have to go 30, even 40 hours by train to get out of the country. It's very complicated, very thick. And it was 3 to $4 for a train tra- ticket to get to the, to, the, to the train from your house or wherever you were. And it's a big city. And, but this time the, at the war, the taxis were price gouging, charging 100 bucks. And most people can't do that, but our van would pick them up for free. Every time we do stuff like this, humanitarian aid, our students would, who drive these vans would, would always give the gospel. We believe in helping them for a day, but we also believe more important is helping them for eternity. Just like the pastor said, when people come to Christ, it lasts forever. And there's a lot of responsibilities that we have here, but we can help people for a day. But we also need to give them the gospel and bring them to eternity. Keep in mind, these people are going to the train station. This is the train station in our city of Kharkiv. And we, Nancy, Tanya, and have all, all been out of this train station when it was crowded. But this is a massive crowd. You can't even see the crowd here, all of them, because there are only so many can fit out on the platform. It's actually so crowded, it's even dangerous. But train after train after train would take as many people all the way over. I know some Christian students that I had in Kiev. They talked to me right after they got out of, into Poland. I mean, the war was getting early, bad stages of it. And she said that they had to stand outside. Can you imagine they said... Stand outside at the, and this is in the, uh, this is in February. It's very cold. They had to stand outside at Poland at the, uh, to get across the border for 32 hours. It took to get out. The only thing you could get out of line is to use the bathroom. That was it. And it was a horrible situation. This is at our church doing outdoor evangelism after the services. There's like a little park nearby, and we blocked our eyes for security reasons. And these are our vans. This is the van again giving uh, humanitarian aid. You can see the yellow bags there and also in our van's been hit by russian rifles by the army shot at it and it says on their volunteer <laughs> which means that you're it's not part of the army so you're not supposed to shoot them but it has been shot and they said even another bullet went through one of the outside mirrors and this red van is from one of the deacons in our area in their church and they we've had classes there and they take classes from us a lot and we helped we paid about a thousand over a thousand dollars to get the van repaired and they do a lot of outdoor evangelism, a lot of humanitarian aid. And like I said, they always, I asked a couple of them how they did that, and I'll show you just in a minute. I asked specifically this guy here, because we would fund this. Sometimes, by the way, uh, Brother Kim, we get food free, because a truckload of food will come in, and trucks of humanitarian aid, they don't know where to put the stuff, and they'll put it in a location, and our vans will go and fill up. Sometimes we buy the food, sometimes we get it free, but we usually buy all this other stuff. Here we've got these uh, these. Ukrainian New Testaments, and I asked the guy how they did it, and he said they'll go up to the village, and they'll announce that humanitarian aid is there, and people, of course, come out, and then they uh, say, the, the pastor or whoever's leading this group will say, we're going to talk to you for 15 minutes, and you're going to get your food, and then he'll talk and give them a clear gospel presentation, give them literature to writing to take with them, and also offer them a New Testament, and it's a brand new uh, Ukrainian New Testament, and he said 85% of the people they offer take that. 
We give them the food, no matter if they don't like us, they don't want anything, we give them the food. But we don't give, them the, we don't give this food out without giving the gospel also, because we want eternal life. It's very, very important for us. And there's a, this goes on and on. We gave actually quite a bit of money to this group here, and we, uh, these people work for us too. And this one, one person even worked full-time with us is doing a lot of this stuff. And I asked him, what do you put in this shipment? Tell me that we just paid for. And those food, milk, honey, and bread, not, not candy, not with bad stuff, just good stuff. Medical, first aid, pills for headache, pills and for blood pressure. If you're in wartime, that's going to be exactly what you need. And other stuff like blankets, garden seeds, they're not going to be able to get that stuff. Even We've even sent stuff like uh, matches, candles, and all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't think of because a lot of places have no electricity. In the wintertime, you've got to find some way to start fires, and you need light and heat. And so it's, we're trying to do as much as we can. This is a letter that a lady wrote. She's one of our churches. She's a member of the Word of God Church in uh, Kiev. And she sent this to her pastor, and he sent to me. And I like this because you don't write something like this unless your faith is grounded in the Word of God. There is no substitute. If your faith is grounded in some music, some magazine, some book you read, that might be helpful. In fact, I like some of these powerful songs they sing right up here. And let me tell you this. You have to be grounded on the Word of God because it's not just human words. It's God's Word. The Bible says it's able to transform people. And we don't know in the United States. We, might, we have peace now, like Tanya said, but we don't know that's going to go forever. In fact, I doubt that it is going to go forever. So we have to be ready, and we have to teach our children, and we have to be ready and faith grounded in God's Word. That's what the Great Commission is all about. We win them to Christ, and we baptize them and teach them. That means teach them the Word of God, and that's very, very important. The Fox News, about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I read that Russia has destroyed 500 church buildings. This is a picture of one of them being destroyed. We have some other ones out there on our booth out there in the back. This lady came to Christ because one of our uh, guys that works for our college, he also taken, he graduated from our college and has taken a lot of classes, and he uh, does evangelism. And uh, we pay about a third of his salary to live, but he led this lady to the Lord. And her son is uh, actually in the war at the front. We don't know if he's dead or alive. I hope that, that he's alive. But she came to the Lord and was baptized in this church. And that's him on the right, Sergei, and he's praying with these two refugees. And most of these people in Ukraine are from the east. They come to get out of the war. And about, I read about over 30 million people in Ukraine have been displaced. That is, they had to move from one place to another to get away from the war. In the center part in the west, it's, it's fairly safe. And so these people are refugees that come and they get born again. A lot of people are getting saved, uh, thank the Lord. That's why I was kind of encouraged by you guys because people are getting saved right here in your own church. I know that you're sending people around the world, but don't get lazy because God can use us to get even more. I mean, just think about it. The Ukrainians can do this. Those guys that did that pastor that gave all those tracts and do this evangelism stuff, those, that guy was doing that when people were shooting bullets at him. And think of this. You and I, and I'm talking myself as much as you, we are, the truth is, we're Americans, we're affluent, we have it very easy, and we do very little real evangelism, telling people about Jesus. You say, well, I don't have to get to evangelism. That's fine. I don't have either. We can all bring people into the church. We can invite our neighbors, our friends, people that we work in our garden with or whatever you do. You can bring them here. There's people here that can lead them to the Lord. They're going to hear the gospel. And we can grow this church even more. And the end goal is to do what Jesus said to do and send even more people around the world. And these Ukrainians are giving us a great example right now. Ukraine is a religious country. 
The Russian Orthodox Church broke off from the Roman Catholic Church in the year 1054, about a thousand years ago. They don't recognize the Pope, but the doctrines are basically the same. It's basically a culture, a heritage, a tradition. It's not like this personal discipleship relationship to Jesus Christ where you accept by faith what Christ Jesus has done for us. And there are a lot of ministry opportunities in Ukraine. It is one of the 15 former Soviet republics. Now the Ukraine has the blue sky and the golden field of grain. By the way, go back, if you would, when you finish, get a prayer card, and you can even sign up to get our electronic newsletter, and you'll see why they have the golden field of grain and the, this, the one they flag. Ukraine is flat. It's a good country, except for the, south, the southwest of the Carpathian Mountains. Ukraine is very good soil, some of the best soil on planet Earth, almost as big as Texas and better soil than even Pennsylvania. I know it's saying something. <laughs> so I saw a lot of rocks out here, too. Anyway, they have very good soil. Ukraine is the world's largest producer of sunflower seed cooking oil and a lot of products. The bad news is that one-third of the wheat grown in our planet, think of one-third of all the wheat grown on planet Earth, comes from Russia and Ukraine. And right now, Russia is destroying a lot of it. They've been, in the last month, have been shooting missiles intentionally into the big grain silos so that this grain cannot be exported. A lot of people are going to die of starvation just for that very reason. So now Ukraine has religious freedom. So it's, by the way, they have more religious freedom than we do. Pastor Ken could get up here and preach against certain sins, and the FBI is going to come say, we heard you talking about this and this and this. In Ukraine, I read the Constitution. I've talked to them, and they said, you can preach anything you want from the pulpit as long as you don't. The only thing you can't do is preach to overthrow the government. That's the only thing that you can't do in Ukraine. And so we have religious freedom. We've never had government opposition. We've had religious opposition. But the Lord has blessed us in many ways. And Ukraine is a large place. They can still go some places that we can't go. But for Ron and Nancy Minton, the main thing is that Ukraine, it's where we're called. That's why it's important to us. Maybe no one in this room is called Ukraine. Maybe yes, maybe no. But everybody in this room right now, if you were born again, believe, remember this church, you're called right here to Crossroads. That's God's calling for your life now. And he expects you to do what you can do. He's going to do what you can't do. But he, you know how to pray. You know how to give. You know how to witness. You know how to bring people in. And when we all do that, when we work as a team like this, you know what happens? That's God's plan. He grows us even bigger. He makes us stronger. We send more people around the world, and we just keep multiplying. And that's exactly what Jesus told us to do until he comes back again. So our purpose is to establish Baptist churches in Ukraine and other former Soviet nations, and now even a few more places. Now, here's some churches that have been started. This is a Reconciliation Church in uh, the western part of Ukraine. They're celebrating Christmas, which was on January 7th, according to the, the uh, Gregorian calendar, no, the U Julian calendar. And, but now Ukraine has switched theirs to December 25th. They're trying to get rid of that, all that old stuff. And this church was started by a guy named Vitaly. And we taught him for five years and bought him an electronic keyboard for his church and loaned him a van for six months. They started this church. And, the, and Vitaly works with us now, by the way. We pay about a third of his salary as well. And he helps a lot of our Bible college work. But this church, I was preaching now. Here's a cultural difference. I was preaching there a couple years ago, and I told Vitaly, I said, wow, they bought this old piece, half of a Soviet factory junk place and rebuilt it at their own expense. I said, how many people go here? Because I counted 104 people in that little church. I said, how many go here after church? And he said, 62 or 64, something like that. I said, how many? And he said, let's say 62. And I said, well, how is that possible? I counted over 100. I mean, I could be wrong. but." And he said, now here's the difference. 
He said, we count saved, baptized, faithful attending, born again, church members. That's all we count. <laughs> and I said, wow, in America they count every living soul and pregnant women count two. Hey, it's true, I guarantee you. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. And this is, uh, this is also uh, teaching and preaching at a new house church. Most churches in the New Testament were house churches, by the way. By the way, it was over 100 years after the New Testament before the first church building was made. So house churches are real churches. Don't forget, the church is people. The church is not a building. We are the church. And this is a church in Armenia. These students, like our, uh, Todd and Nancy, play the thing, and I preach there. There's only held eight people, and it was all full. And let me just say this, by the way. Right now, while we're sitting right here, this is a holy place. This is a holy place. Not because these carpet and these bricks and this wonderful facility you have. It's holy because you're here if you're born again. Because if you're a Christian, a real Christian, what happens? The Holy Spirit lives in you. When God looks at you, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He does not see the lousy sinner that you and I are in this world where we still live out the flesh. But what He does is He's the righteousness of Christ and God could not love you more. It's impossible because He loves you just as much as He loves His Son. You're one of His children. He want, You know what God wants? He wants you to do good. He wants you to build the church more than you want. He wants us to succeed. We're on His side. And we have to remember that this building is going to be destroyed when Jesus comes. It's trash. But God gave it to us just for a short time. I mean, it's a nice facility. And God gave it to you people to use. I know you're doing a lot of good stuff. The pastor had a lot of announcements. And that's only temporary, but as long as you have it until Jesus comes, use it to the maximum, use it to the fulfill the Great Commission. That's what God expects of you. When you die, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and you're going to go what we call the judgment seat of Christ. All Christians are going to go there. It's not like a judge in the United States where you have feedback. No, he's the king and he's going to tell you exactly what's happened. If you say anything, it's going to be, yes, sir. And you're going to be, your capacity to serve Jesus forever will be based on what you do here, your works for Jesus here. That will not help you get saved or get into the kingdom. That's solely by saved, saved by grace through faith, not of works. Believing in the gospel, Christ Jesus alone can save. But your works make a big difference for all eternity. Right now is the only time we have to get the work of Jesus Christ done. And we need to put our whole heart into it as much as we can and get it done. Real quickly, a couple of pictures of all these, then we'll be done. We do use American uh, mission teams. We've had quite a few people come over. These are refugees we helped from the first war. Their, a mortar hit their apartment building. Most of it was blown out of the way, but they got out alive. We don't, don't know what happened to the dad. They come to us dirty and worn out, and we had 12 sets of refugees come to our house. That kid on the right side, that little boy, at first they were scared of me because I was a man, and apparently some men were shooting at him. But after a day, they calmed down. We befriended them, cleaned them up. They're already Christians. We gave them the Bible and, and, uh, and got them, tried to get them back to health for a few days. And that kid gave me a piece of shrapnel he picked out of his yard. I still have it for a souvenir. Then we sent it at our expense to the center of Ukraine with other believers or try to get some of their family members to take care of them. We have a junkie backyard. We had one in the old Soviet time. We have a picture back there of a 1908 coin that Nancy found, an old nine years before Soviet Union coin back there. And I found a can of coins, Soviet Union coins back there. But we turned this into a ministry fire pit. And you can see we decorated it. We have a lot of stuff happening in our backyard. We even had a birthday, big birthday, 25th birthday party for one of our workers one time. And she said, this is the best backyard I've ever seen in Ukraine. <laughs> and they said, they really make muck fun of me of these, uh, these uh, 
corn things here, these corn husks going up in the ground, these corn stalks. We grew these. And I said, you know, in America, people pay a dollar, sometimes two dollars to use this stuff as, as uh, I know you people in Finley are not that dumb, but, <laughs> but the Ukrainians, they said, how could anybody be so dumb to pay a dollar or two dollars for an old corn husk? We have millions of them in Ukraine. <laughs> anyway, that's a different culture. And we have a lot of people come out through the bonfires. These are university students. We invite them out, and our students are going and say, you can hear Ron Minton talk. He's going to talk about going to heaven. He's a professor. He's going to tell you the gospel, but he's going to speak everything in English, and you get to learn English. They want to learn English. Look at Tanya. She's a Ukrainian. She learns the English language, and you can see she speaks English as good as most of us, even probably better than me and sometimes. And so we use it as a gospel. Some of these kids do get born again, and a lot of them are into our churches even to this very day. We do practice evangelism in Ukraine. It's a required course for every student. And Nancy and I, but actually most of it, 90% of it or more than 90%, it was done by students with us. And in churches, we would get together and do evangelism, especially for our church. We've given out 30,000 of these Gospel of John and Book of Romans in Russia bound together. And now we're going to try to get 30,000 of those in the Ukrainian language. If we can, I don't even know if they're made, we're going to try for it. The first time ever, a few years ago, they had the Euro Cup in uh, Ukraine. It, Ukraine happened in Ukraine and Poland. It's the first time ever. And Ukraine uh, borrowed $5 billion and updated airports and stadiums and all kinds of stuff. And so what we did is we focused on evangelism for sports. And this, this, uh, these are giant apartments. They have a big apartment like this. And in the middle is about uh, six or seven acres, something like that, a big area. We cleaned it up a little bit. And the government gave us permission, no problem. And we went there and had the sports thing. We'd have about 500 kids a day. And you can see some parents coming out, just keep an eye on everything that's happening. We witnessed those people as well. And uh, Nancy taught hula hoops. We had badminton. Bad, the bad thing about badminton is that it's spelled exactly the same as my name, Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N. <laughs> but we're good Minton. <laughs> okay. Well, we're trying to be. So anyway, but we had all these games. And they came to me and they said, Ron, you're American. You teach them how to play baseball. And I said, great, no problem. I said, I, when I was in high school, I was the only 10th grader that made the baseball team. And so... But then I said, wait a minute, in Russian language school, they said not one word about baseball. So I grabbed Tanya, not this Tanya, but a different Tanya. <laughs> We've had three Tanyas, by the way. I said to Tanya, I said, Tanya, quickly, I want you to translate for me because I'm going to teach this kid how to play baseball. And she said, what's that? <laughs> and I said, that's a problem. <laughs> you try to teach kids how to play baseball, and you say, now this is a bat, and they say, what's that? <laughs> it's very difficult. And we've had, we made new rules. I said, okay, no matter what, how much of a foul ball you run, no matter what, just do it. The last day, it's a true story. We did this five days. You know, and by the way, you guys have the big screen. The last day, I mean the last hour of every day, they did this big screen that they rented, and we projected the gospel thing on that for all these people. The last day, though, I can still remember that kid right in front of me, and I'm, I'm in the green shirt, and this little kid in the yellow shirt. That's a true story. It sounds strange, but it's true. This kid... The last day, he smacked the ball right over second baseman's hit. <laughs> hit a perfect base hit, and he stood there. And I said, run, run, go, go, go. And, and he said, get it, get it. Where to the Russian for where, where? <laughs> and I said, we had a first base with a pile of rocks. I said, common, common. That's the word for rocks. And this kid, Phew. well, actually, first he stood there and said, bistro, bistro, which means quickly he goes, Phew. took out like a lightning bolt. And I said, wow, this is definitely potential Olympic runner right here. <laughs> but then I looked. This kid went past first base. He kept on going. He's already right field. And I said, everybody yelled. We yelled Russian, English, Ukraine. Come back, come back. And I should have loved, not level, not level, which means turn left. But he just kept going. We never saw him again. <laughs> it's true. I am telling you, 
I was scared. I was the only one scared. I went to the pastor and said, we never saw him again. We don't know where he went. And so the pastor said, Ron, you see those white buildings? That kid was born there, raised there. He knows this place better than you ever will. You can spend the rest of your life in Ukraine. You will never know how to get home like he does. I said, okay, I'm satisfied. So we went back uh, to the house. And this is back to the house. We had, uh, this is where we have a drug and rehab, rehab group in our house that are, they can come and work for us. We had some missionaries visiting this day also, by the way. And uh, these guys can come from our church, and they, they have a place where they live there. And they, can, they can't go many places, but they can come to our church. We can't pay them, but we can make them work. And then we feed them, and we teach them. So we work for six hours, and we feed them. These big, hungry, strong Ukrainian guys, they can eat a whole chicken. <laughs> they're not that big. They're barbecue chicken, but they're hungry. And I, and I teach them. Some of these guys get saved. Actually, quite a few of them do. Not all. But some of them get saved, and some of them actually become preachers as well. And also we do do a one and a half or even two hour uh, Bible study with them. Valerie and Elizabeth are girls that Nancy teaches in the summer, or taught in the summer. And then uh, this is the Evangelist English Club we started in 2018. We've done this for several years. We tell people in our neighborhood, we say, we go from about, you know, about a half a mile around our house area. And we go to every house and give out about 900 of these pages. And it says, we're going to teach your child. We, we don't like them. We say, we're Christians, we're missionaries. They all know who we are. We don't know them, but they know us. And they said, we're going to teach your children uh, English. They're going to be taught by Americans. And it's going to be free. We're going to teach them Bible studies. We're going to teach them how to be good boys and girls, to obey their parents. And, of course, we're going to try to win them to the Lord. <clears throat> and their grandmas and their grandpas and their parents say, you're going to go. <laughs> and these kids, love them. They, they love, they come to it and they love it. This goes 10 weeks. By the, can you imagine 10 weeks in the summer? And we have groups like this. And in the same group, they have Bible studies, small group times, and different groups like that. Some will be having a Bible study. Some will be teaching English. Some will be doing recreation. And we have games like you can see over there in the, on the right side. These, these kids love this stuff. And I, several times they said, this is my favorite summer camp. And I said, it's just our backyard. Now, I'm thinking a summer camp is some faraway place. And they said, this is our summer camp. And I said, this is our summer camp. <laughs> this girl, Uliana, she's one of my favorite pictures of all time. This girl came for three years in a row, ten weeks each summer, and never missed a single day. And that's what he calls serious faithfulness right there. The better students that study better and do hard, you know, they learn quite a bit and do a good job. We give them a free Bible and a free, and also English on one side, Russian on one side. And you can see the greenhouse in the back. The, you saw that the first class, the first picture I'll show you under a big apple tree. That's where everybody meets. But back there we have a little private area where students meet. And that's, this is where the people at upper level, we have classes back there. And you can see Nasty, we rescued her. When the war came, we gave her, got, had to get $200 to her quickly. She barely got out of Mariupol, the most destroyed city in the, in the, of Ukraine. But she got out alive, thank the Lord. And there's Tanya back there doing the supervising, making sure everything's happening. And Tanya teaching with the crossword puzzle. And this is in that, this is a couple of years, just before we came back. On furlough, this is uh, in our garage. You can see it. where that picture is, where that was the end, where it was the bomb. And we, we, tell, we advertise and tell the kids, to say, we're going to have a widescreen, our giant double sheet. <laughs> There's a double, big double sheet nailed on the wall. And I put our projector up on it, some cardboard boxes in, box in the back. And I said, and free popcorn. And by the, most of these benches, why they are homemade ones, are made by our neighbors. Somebody we bought them, or we made them ourselves. And when we get free popcorn in a wide, big screen movie, Christian movie, it's a sellout crowd every night. I mean, it's free, but they, a lot of them will come. And we have bonfires where we have pastor will come and preach to them, give the gospel to them. This is even before the war, but this, uh, 
we had the, we used to do quite a bit of orphanage ministry, and this girl had never seen a Bible before in the orphanage, and we gave her a Russian uh, Bible, and she's reading the Gospel of Luke right there. The Bible College is effective because there's, in 2017 we came a furlough, and our students had started 32 churches, Latvia and Ukraine, most of them in Ukraine, even Siberia. I'd still get emails from occasion to Siberia. And the guy would say, do you remember me from eight years ago? My wife and I moved to Siberia. We started a church. We have 18 people coming. And I'm thinking, if I look at this group right now here, there's probably not five people in here, especially me, that could survive in Siberia. It's rugged. And I think these people are amazing people. But God's using this Bible college to have been to a lot of people. And I like this middle part here. Since then, we haven't counted. We kept quit counting churches. But 800 new students have come. And over 100 pastors have studied at our Bible college. This is me teaching individual pastors and leaders, stuff like church planting and different ways of leadership. And in the summertime, sometimes we take a group out to the, uh, kind of like on the hillside or maybe a lake or something. And we, these are all Christians for our uh, students in our uh, Bible college and also from our church. And we'll, I said, I'll take you out in our van, but we have to have an, a full Bible study. And they love, the, they love the Word of God, so they want this. This is, this is where the war started in 2014. We just moved there five years and, and uh, $18,000 of work to get in this building, this old building they gave us. And we didn't live there at the time, but all this stuff, that's our Bible college library. We moved everything there. And then all of a sudden, Nancy and I, we're just there for a couple weeks, and we put that house you saw, the bomb, we put that up for sale, but the war came and didn't sell. But we moved out of this, we came out of this house to teach a class, and eight days later, the war came, and for, you can see that in nine years we have not been able to get back to this house. This is in Lugansk, over by where the war started. The, in 2014, they, the Russian army took that area for a couple of years, but the Ukraine army took it back, and then we started having classes again. I went there and taught a class, a couple of classes actually have been taught there. So I like teaching there, but when I, the first my class I was teaching there, I heard this boom, 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 and I could tell there were big artillery shells, and I said, how far away are those big shells? And they said, in English, it should be up three or four miles. And I said, for Texan, that's a long, that's short. I, you know, I don't know about you, I get a little bit scared when those things start coming around. And it's amazing that what Ukraine has endured all this time, but they, it's incredible what the Lord has done and how, how he uses unbelievable, difficult situations. We also have classes in Armenia, like we talked about less than two years ago. Nancy and I and Tanya went to Armenia, taught God and the Bible, Theology 1. And while we were there, we did some investigative ruins. There's two archaeologists. Wait a minute, that's Nancy and Tanya. <laughs> they went through some, uh, actually, there's a lot of ruins in that place, a lot of very old stuff. And they went down there. Tanya went down some deep pits that I was afraid to go in. And the classes in Poland. And this is a, this, I like this chart because it shows how many Bible college classes we complete. I tell every professor, make your classes graduate school, theological seminary level quality classes notes, but we make the difficulty of the class equal to a first year of Bible college because we want people to finish and take a lot of classes. And the notes become very important, but we, we like, I, like, I measure the growth by number of classes completed. And in all these years, we never had a decrease in classes until the war hit. And so, but even then, I'm going to show you a picture in a minute, we started growing again. And the red, I like this picture most of all because the red shows the number of new students that God brought to us. These are two students who took their very first class that year. And so for some reason, the Lord used us. And the real reason, I know, is because people like you pray about, pray for this. It's just like the pastor said, people pray and give and the things happen. And 
by the way, it's interesting too to me that how all this stuff happens when people pray and God does some amazing things. Because you look, you're talking about the grandpa and grandpa that went to, over there and got all this stuff going. It's only because people pray. Real quickly, the yellow and, I mean, the, the red and green are the six arrows in Ukraine and also Poland, another one, where we have regular classes. The red arrows are where we don't have classes during the war. The green are where we still have classes. These three red arrows will have classes as soon as the war is over. That's probably destroyed. That's where I was teaching a minute ago. That's probably destroyed now. And the orange are just temporary, you know, occasional classes. These are brand new locations. We never heard of the cities of the churches or anything down here. And we're getting ready for a third one, I think, and possibly in Romania. And in May, I flew into Romania. It took two days just to get there and go across the border. And I taught a class right there in Chude in that thing. And I think you even have a picture of it. Now, this is the first class ever in Chude uh, taught before I got there by one of our guys taught Life of Christ class. And then uh, this is a class in Jatomer, like in, this is a, a regular city. And then this is when I went in May in Jatomer, in uh, Chude, and we'd never heard of these cities before. We started, and our college is expanding. We can't go to the east for it now. We can go to Ukraine in the west, but we cannot go to the east. We can go to the east, but it's very, very dangerous. And, of course, in the southeast where the war is going, we can't go there, but in the in the northeast, it's not extremely dangerous, but missiles still come over. And like I said, even in our city, just this, just yesterday, they blew up a big blood bank where people donate blood for the war and all this stuff. So the Lord is active. This is a nearby city. This is also the second new place, the first class ever in this location. And we already have classes scheduled for more. Now, this is over in Africa. One of my, The same guy you saw teaching in the English club behind the greenhouse. He was one of my students in the ancient days, Eric Simpson. He's a very faithful missionary in England. He comes to teach for us in Ukraine. He went over and taught a class in Africa. And we had never had a class in Africa, but now uh, because of him and because of other connections of some of my former students, we have, keep in mind, we have never had a class. But now we have in Uganda, two cities and three, three classes scheduled in the fall. And Kenya, where I'll be, we have two cities and four classes scheduled. I'll be there in November. And these are all right on the equator, and it's amazing how all this stuff happens in the Lord because, because again, the people just like you guys that pray. Finally, we do have financial projects to raise money, the monthly support because of growth inside and outside of Ukraine, and you can see the War Relief Fund. We've already sent over $20,000 in Ukraine to help. That War Relief Fund is only for Christian believers who had difficulties in many ways because of the war. Finally, we want to thank Crossroad Ministries for helping us do this. I love the way the pastor said it. It's not this go grandma and grandpa. Yes, we did what God wants us to do because that's our calling. And we want you to do what you, and God wants you to do what you do because that's your calling right here. But what we get done in Ukraine and your other missionaries around the world, you have just as much a part of that as we do. It's not just Ron and Minton and Nancy Minton. Tanya has a major part. The pastor has a major part. You have a major part. But really, all of us have one boss. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's the one we say serve. And he's the one that said to get this work done. And when you help us get it done, it's your ministry 100% as much as it is our ministry. Pastor. Amen. Ron, we thank you and Nancy and Tanya for being here today. What a, what a privilege it is for us to hear the work of God going on over there in, uh, in the Ukraine. I just, uh, I've been, I just want you to think with me today as we're thinking of the, the zone over there in the Ukraine with all the war and everything that's been going on. 
they're facing opposition like we've never faced, and we pray that we never face it. And uh, the body of Christ is hurting over there right now. The body of Christ needs us to pray for them. And not just the body of Christ, but there's a lot of people that need Jesus right now. People are coming to Christ. Uh, I hope you were moved whenever you saw these little churches. Here's a little pocket of a church. Somebody started a church. Here's eight people. That's a church. Uh, here's, here's 50 people over here. And they're, they're in little these little small groups. And, you know, that's the way it is around most of the world. Most of the world isn't building these big buildings and having large groups. There's little small groups of people that are getting together, and their followers of Christ are multiplying all over the world right now. And it's happening in Ukraine. There's a, No war can stop the gospel. No war can stop the gospel. It will only propagate the gospel. The gospel of Jesus will go stronger. And the, the people of God are not running from this. They're running to it right now. They are running. They're running to it, and they're taking. You saw them. The pictures there where they're taking um, food and they're taking supplies, and they're they're giving them Jesus at the same time. And so you've had a part of that. And I want you to think about this with me today, as we've been studying First Peter. Um, I'm just going to read the passage that we've studied extensively the last few weeks, and put it into context of the Ukrainian believers right now. And I think it'll really have a different meaning for you as you consider the suffering in the Ukraine. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by, tri- by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of souls. I just want you to think about that today because the trials that, uh, that we've been talking about, and our trials are vastly different from the trials that the, the people of the Ukraine are facing right now. And I just want you to be praying for them and, and just remember, listen, they've got joy. God is giving them joy in the midst of this. It's terrible pain, terrible, terrible things are happening, but God is moving and he's doing his work and it's going to continue to, to move. Uh, today, if, uh, on the way out, I'm going to encourage you, please stop by Ron's table out there, visit with him and Nancy and Tanya, and uh, you can get one of their prayer cards. I encourage everyone to take one of these prayer cards, put it on your, put it on your refrigerator, put it on that magnet, and pray for them daily, and think, uh, lift them up before the Lord. And then I always have people ask me when, when we have a missionary, how can I help, how can I give? If you'd like to help, if God's laid something on your heart to give today, just take the giving envelope from the seat back in front of you and uh, place your gift in there and write Ukraine on it. Place it in the offering box and everything that comes in that's marked Ukraine will go to the Ukrainian fund uh, there to help with the war. And uh, we'll give it to the, to the Mittens to, to get it over there. So 100% of that. All right. So we want to thank God for that, for the opportunity that we have to, to minister and to do our part. So, and, and hadn't you been encouraged today by the Lord? God's been good. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's just pray for the Ukraine. Let's pray for the Mintons. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for all that you've done. 
God, as we've uh, just heard, heard one of your servants, Lord, you tapped on his heart to go later in life. He was in his 50s, and here he is 18, 20 years later, still serving you. And his life was comfortable, but you tapped on his heart and his wife's heart and said, I want you in the Ukraine, and you gave him a passion for the people of the Ukraine. God, thank you. You had him out there investing in people's lives, training pastors. Never knew that this war would be this intense and this bad. Oh, there were other wars that they faced and they've lived through. And God, the war, the wartime is uh, a way of life in that country. We ask God that you will place your hand of protection on all those believers over there and that you will use them, Lord, for your honor and glory. God, keep them safe and keep them strong on fire for you, God that they may be able to propagate the gospel and let people know that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No man comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful for the command of Christ to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to obey everything that you've commanded them. And, Lord, you said, Lo, I will be with you till the very end of the age. God, we pray that right now for Ron and Nancy Minton, for Tanya, Lord, for these three as they're here. They've come and they've blessed us. They've encouraged us today. Lord, we ask that you'll give them a supernatural uh, sense of your power, your strength, Lord. May they, may they just uh, go out there and continue the work that you've called them to do. As it changes, as it's dangerous, Lord, you will get the glory and you will bring people into your name. God, we thank you for, uh, for allowing us to be partners for your kingdom's sake. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask Ron and Nancy and Tanya to go ahead and get out there, uh, beat, the, beat the crowd out there so you can get to meet them. And I just want to encourage you all, next week we're going to have a great day of celebration here at the church. Come expecting to hear from the Lord. Come expecting to, uh, to celebrate. And then we're going to have a picnic afterwards. So come hungry, all right, and bring some food. And we'll put that all together out there, and it's going to be a great, great day. So let's stand together and be dismissed. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great weekend.